Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Compound and Friends. It is Tuesday, and we are in the midst of, I don't know, week four, week five of earnings season. There's so much going on today, so much going on this week. Uh, Michael and I had a wild and woolly episode of What Are Your Thoughts? You're about to hear the audio from that right now. Hope you enjoy the show. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by Josh Brown, Michael Batnick, and their castmates are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Redholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Redholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. gangsters let's see who's here chris brown compounders ready to roll that's right mk giving me a shout out for uh the friday show on cnbc i appreciate you uh late breaking news we're being informed by brooklyn in the chat Penn gaming just spun off barstool sports we're not going to cover that tonight we, we have no idea what's going on uh, but good good looking out bob sacramento is here dr horton Cliff Peebles, Sean, the whole Duncan Hive is here. Ryan Buckley, I see you. Drew Pratt, what's happening? All right, big show tonight. We're going to talk about earnings. We're going to talk about inflation. Warren Buffett, Carl Icahn is a mystery chart. Um, And at the end of the show, I will be revealing for the first time ever, Michael Batnick's social security number. But first, a word from our sponsor. Michael, who's sponsoring the show this week? It's called Public. Ooh, we like here's public. What, here's what I did on public. I bought some T-bills. I did it. Like Six me. Six month. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. That's why uh, you're my son. That's why you're my son. Because I did that. Because I did that a long time ago. And you know what? I was not deterred by Fitch. I don't care what they say. <laughs> LOL. I believe in the full faith of my uh, my U.S. government. Took yeah. like two seconds. Didn't have to go to Treasury Direct and like. Uh, I think I think that, that Treasury Direct was built on DOS. Remember that? Yeah. So, Yo, I feel like Fitch is Phoebe, and you don't step like to Uncle Sam. What are you nuts? No, no, no. Yeah, Moody's is Moody's is Rachel, and S and P is oh my God, Monica. When you said Phoebe, I didn't know what you're talking about. Fitch is Phoebe. All right, go ahead, keep going. Um. So the other nice thing is, I mean, listen, I have said this before. This is obvious. If you're excited by a five and a half percent six month annualized yield, and and I'm, I'm excited by it. You got to hold to maturity, right? Otherwise you don't get the yield. I know it's, it's obvious, but it's worth pointing out. And then they'll roll the bonds for you or the bills or whatever. And hopefully we're still at five and a half percent in six months. We'll see. I think that's the future of the public app that I appreciate most is the automatic roll because I'm already coming up on six months since I started buying treasuries there. Not to break. I, I just don't want to deal with it, to be honest yeah. with you. I have yeah. enough going on. So, all right, shout out to public. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Uh, this weekend, Ari Wald put out some stuff on the dip last week, and he's looking at it as a textbook buyable dip. Textbook. And, uh, I know yesterday and today, you know, a couple of days have elapsed, but I think, I think his, uh, his take on the situation probably aligns the most with the way I feel. 
He's looking at this seasonally. He's looking at the various cycles, as a lot of technicians do. Um, and I just want to go through some of his comments. And as I'm doing so, John will pop the appropriate chart. So shout out to Ari Wald at Oppenheimer. Are we still selling this? Yeah. It's, a, it's the best seller in the store, hands down, mm. I think. Uh, Nicole will correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, he thinks this is a textbook seasonal correction. And it's August. And we know that October has historically been like a wild month and September has often been the start of bear markets and August is the doldrums and all the pros are in the Hamptons and they let retail or they let uh, interns run the trading desk. We know all the tropes, um, but let's pop this up. Ari says, quote, we use seasonal trends as secondary confirmation to our primary indicators. Uh, last October, we weren't positive because major market bottoms frequently develop in Q4 of a midterm year. We were positive because the textbook criteria for a major market bottom had developed. Josh, can I play you for a second? Are you going to show? The, are you going to explain to the audience what we're looking at? Yeah. Come on, man. All right. I, I was reading his comments that explain what we're looking at, but okay. He is saying that this is all right. So, in gray is an amalgamation of the last ten pre-election years. Twenty twenty-three is a pre-election year. So here is the last ten of those, and and like all like smashed together, gives you a composite, Mike, is that the right way to say it? It's an average, yeah. Okay. So as you can see, if we were to have this pullback in August, it's like right on schedule with an average, with a composite of the last 10 years averaged out. Like this is kind of like uh par for the course. It doesn't feel that way. People like it perpetually going up, but it just doesn't. And I thought that this was really helpful context. What are your thoughts? Chart off. I am typically... Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of seasonal charts. So there's a billion of them. I know you're not some, like a, a seasonal I, guy, well, no, but this is some, hard to argue with. Some I respect. Some I throw in the trash can. Uh, I like this one. I like this one. I think because I think there's meaning here. Yeah, you know, you're good. You're safe. What, when Terranova was on our show a year ago or so, talking about performance in midterm election years, I don't know why it matters. Yeah, but it, it's matter. The market has never had never been down twelve months later, and I think we were joking at the time. Watch this year. This year will be the year. No, it wasn't the year. It wasn't the year. Yeah. So for as Josh mentioned, for whatever the reason, August is a lazy month. And and guess what? We've had a hell of a year. Right? We've had a hell of a year. So giving some back is not only uh healthy, it's it's a good thing. It's it's normal. It's great. Here's more here's more more from Ari. Chart on John. We got more optimistic in the market. Of course we did. Prices went up. Right. But he's pointing out that the level of optimism is more consistent with a pullback and not a major top. This is back to uh, this is back to Ari. Quote: um, We want to stress that the market is behaving in a manner consistent with a trend that should continue, a pullback in an uptrend, and not a major top. For instance, while optimism is on the rise, we'd argue the levels of complacency that have no historically limited bull market activity are still missing. He points to the investors' intelligence bull bear ratio at three point one. Um, that is not quite where it would have to be to form a top. Uh, next chart real quick. We'll, we'll knock this one out. This is um, this is basically levels of support. So here's Ari. Potential. Uh, potential yeah, support. Of, everything's potential. Uh, we see until it happens, and then it was obvious. We see 4,400 as the start of support. That's the 50-day average. It extends down to 4,200, which represents the February peak. So using the midpoint of this range, we believe the S&P becomes attractive toward 4,300 
we're watching a daily RSI reading below 40 as a tactical buy signal. Um, all of this seems pretty reasonable to me. What are your thoughts yeah. on the, the levels? I just want to say one thing. This is noise, right? We're talking about this. We're, we're here for entertainment and education, right? Like a lot of this seasonal short-term pullbacks, it's all, it's all noise to me. Uh, but that being said, I think that we saw a lot of signs as we were talking about with Dan and Guy that the rally was getting long in the tooth. And now all these things are ridiculously hard to call. Sometimes you get lucky. Um, but we saw record short covering or, or deleveraging or whatever. Uh, you saw Carvana and the junkies of the junk just going nuts. Uh, Mike Wilson uh, capitulated. And there was just uh, AAII got as high yeah, as it's like been a lot in a of while. anecdotal stuff there was just, piled there was just, up with data. There was just a lot. There was just a lot. And one of them was a straw that broke the camel's back. The market is selling the news of the earnings, which we'll get to. And again, very normal stuff. Very last, normal stuff. Last technical chart. This is Steven Suttmeyer from Bank of America. He calls it not a, t- a seasonal correction, a, a seasonal pullback, but a tactical correction. Um, he has levels too. And I got levels. You know what my level is? I'm watching 44.40. There, I said it. Um, he's highlighting some some levels, 44.50, 43.25, and 4200 for various reasons. Right. They represent prior levels where buyers uh, came in or there was prior resistance that's now support. But I think the big picture here, uh, once again, is that he's looking at these rising and bullish 50, 100, and 200-day moving averages. And so long as the trend is still higher, you could see those blue, green, and, and red guys. So that's long a, as that's the primary trend, I think that's really what we want to focus listen, on. Listen, the, the trend is this Start clear, off. the trend is clearly higher. It's a bull market. Nobody knows when it's going to end. Uh, every time we get a dip, we're like, all right, that's, that's it. It was fun while it lasted. M- mind you, stocks, certain stocks came back pretty, pretty furiously today. We got we had a Moody's downgrade, which we're going to talk about. But listen, it's a bull market. Hard to pick the top. Hard to pick the top. All right, take it away. All right. Uh, we are talking about interest rates. Before we put the chart on, let me just set the stage here. Why haven't higher interest rates wrecked the economy? Why haven't they hurt the consumer? Mm. Why haven't they hurt the corporation? And we've been saying for a while, remember that pie chart, Josh, that I've been showing from Bank of America, I think, talking about how much of the S&P 500's debt is long-term fixed. It's like yeah. 85%. Yeah, so you could raise rates. Calls. Right. But these companies gorged, appropriately yeah, so, in 2020. They took full advantage of where interest rates were. Remember Microsoft got got let money like 2, 2% or something? Like literally? Yeah. A lot of them stopped their buybacks, which is really funny. They had stock prices that were down 20 and 30%. They stopped their buybacks, but they refinanced. And uh, and and now- they're like in in really good shape and they could weather, they could probably weather a recession. They stopped. Without, that was a huge yeah. part of the story in the 2010s, the debt for equity swap, right? Yeah. Issue, issue bonds, buyback stock, and it freaking worked spectacularly. Matter yeah. of fact, I forgot to put this chart in. I think I forgot to put this chart in. Q2 buybacks are down like 35%. We had a pretty good Q2, if you remember. Right. But so what that is, is like, that's just cash accumulating. And it's that's why the balance sheets are in the shape that they're in. Okay, so anyway, so this is a wonderful chart. This is from Lori Calvacina. She is the head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital She's Markets. Good. So what we're looking at, so the, all right, obviously as you could read, S&P 500 companies are still benefiting from the era of low interest rates. So what she's showing is the estimated effective interest rate uh, on the S&P 500, and it's low. It's still super, super low. She concludes that it's in the one7 to 3.1% range. So for companies not in the S&P 500, yeah, it matters. 
It yeah. matters, right? If you're if you're exposed to floating rates, it matters. Um, but for, for, fun- for markets as a whole, funny. they're good. Go ahead. Want to hear something funny? I I firmly believe that one of the strongest correlations in the market um, right now and probably for a while is going to be this new thing where when yields come down because bonds rally, small caps also rally or at least outperform the S&P because Why? of exactly what you just said. Uh-uh. If you're in the S&P 500, no problem with borrowing. Good. Small good, caps yeah. that are locked out, when rates fall, people feel a little bit better about their outlook. Um, and I think that that's like a new uh, kind of nascent correlation trend that not a lot of people are talking about yet. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, next chart, please, John. S&P, this is a great visual. S&P 500 companies have shifted into long-term debt over short-term debt. Uh, so the chart on the right shows long-term debt to market cap. And it's pulled back a little bit. But again, these companies have taken advantage of low rates. They went way out there and they're good. They don't need to refinance. They've got plenty of debt. Mm. Uh, so that's, again, that's that's mega cap companies. They're good. So if, right. So if you're looking for signs of stress because you're, you're watching the HYG or JNK, you are playing the wrong game right now. You, that's not where it's going to show up. Or at least not, at least not in the beginning. Like if that's what you're doing, you're wasting a lot of time. Also, not only do these companies have a lot of healthy debt on their balance sheet, they've also got a ton of cash. Now I'm picking two of the biggest companies in the world. But Apple, 160 some odd billion, Berkshire, 100 fit. Now, maybe Berkshire is a different story, but still, these companies are sitting on tons, metric tons of cash. Mm. We got a joke in the comments tonight. Joke in the comments. Mark O'Connell says, Is this going to do- be at my expense? No, you're not part of this. I mean, really? Is that does does the world stop and start around Dude, you? Dude, pay attention. You're in the comment section while I'm Mark lecturing. O'Connell says, What do babies and T bills have in common? You only get the benefits by holding till maturity. Not a bad dad joke. Mm, All right, Mark. Da- it's a dad. It's a dad 6.2. joke. 6.2. It's not okay. bad. Not bad. All right, Josh. Um, are we in the clear? Uh, wait, what? No. That was a segue never... over to you. See, I'm a professional. I set you up. That was a layup. You didn't take that's, it. You, you, that's great. You failed. I dropped it. I let the ball sail into the stands and uh, <laughs> and hit, hit some, knock somebody's popcorn out of their arms. Uh, Ed Yard Danny, who has been bullish and correct has made a list of worries that the hard landers, which I haven't heard this term yet, that we're calling the people that are still looking for a hard landing, we're calling them hard landers, and I, and I love it, and I think it's perfect. Because uh, it's a double entendre. Like, it's a hard land. Like, it's the land of hardship, right? But also, like, they're looking for a hard landing. I'm, f- I'm feeling this. Like Ed Yardani made a list of hardlander worries that are still legitimate worries. He's not, by the way, he's not like mocking these concerns. He's saying this is what if you if you are still in the camp that we're going to land hard, which plenty of people are. These are the things that you're probably talking about or worried Let's get about. To it. Okay, commercial real estate crisis. This is so boring. It's probably going to happen, but very slowly. Uh, is my is my take? Like it, it's probably going to feel like a crisis. It's just not going to be overnight. Um, He's pointing to things like the senior loan officer opinion survey saying 67.8% of lenders continued to tighten lender standards for commercial real estate, I guess, uh, into this quarter. Um, Commercial loans at all commercial banks have been flat at a record high, just below $3 trillion since March 15th, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's not getting better there is is the the main. Uh, He's joking that maybe you can turn all these vacant malls into pickleball uh, courts. 
It's funny. All right. Uh, renewed wage price spiral is number two. So basically, many workers achieved wage increases by quitting their jobs for better paying ones. They could do so because the labor demand for labor has exceeded supply. That's still the case, even though both have moderated. I think I think this particular worry is is mostly in the rear view. And the reason why I said that is because there's a chart, I think from the Cleveland Fed from the Cleveland Fed, that shows wage gains from job stayers and job switchers. And as everybody remembers, during the pandemic or post-pandemic, job switchers were getting paid hard. Right? United Auto left- Work United Auto Workers Union opened up negotiations with the auto manufacturing industry last week by demanding a 20% immediate wage increase and then another 5% during each year of the contract. Hold on. And so th- what I just spoke about is normalized. Now, I agree, but I'm uni- saying it's not over. So how big do you know how what percentage of the labor force is in unions? That's a great question. It's relatively small, but according to Ed their contracts can have an influence on wages in the non-unionized sectors. Non-unionized workers can take their cues from big company or big trade union developments. And I'll have you know, not sure if you know this, uh, my daughter drove Try to Starbucks. Me. My daughter drove to Starbucks in our town last night, and it was closed because they're on strike. Starbucks. You know Starbucks in our town. It's like, a spring, it's like a goddamn Bruce Springsteen song I got it this life. morning. I got it this morning. I'm telling you, last night, they were they were striking during they regular out. They struck. Okay. I believe it's uh, stroked. They stroked. Sir. All right. Uh, federal deficit spiral. This is one that you can basically use as your bear market reason probably for the Always. rest of your life. Yeah. 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 Uh, however, um, U.S. federal deficits and the resulting U.S. debt – Mounting debt are growing as a percentage of nominal GDP on a 12-month sum basis. The former just jumped from a trillion last July to 2.3 trillion. I'm sorry. I don't June. A, That's not good. I don't see this as a risk, like a real risk. Now, it might cause some volatility, headline, political so headline. Com- so complacent. But this isn't, come on. Sorry. So toppy. No, no, no. Net, in, net interest is up until the right always, but you got to right. adjust for the GDP. It's not that risk bad. Number, risk number five. Uh, fear number fear reason to worry number five bond vigilantes rampage um so basically bond bond yields can get out of hand if uh people go on a buyer strike and just refuse to buy treasuries um he doesn't seem particularly worried about this one but it's it's out there uh we got a little bit of a taste of it last week in the in the uh in the long bond and then it reversed so who knows uh six fed goes volker if inflation doesn't continue to moderate and appears increasingly sticky, well above the Fed's 2% target, Powell and his colleagues may conclude they have no choice but to vulgarize interest rates, meaning raise them until they vaporize economic growth, which they did in the 70s. Again, if you, this is if you're a hard lander. You have to believe that this is why you're going to have this hard landing because it's mm-hmm. not in the data right now. Um Right, so, so anyway. you, saw, you saw Atlanta uh, Fed real GDP tracker, 4.1% updated yeah. this morning. So he says, for now, our economic outlook remains 85% odds of a no, of a no landing or a soft landing and 15% odds of a hard landing. That should remain the case unless one or several of the worries. All right. Look, that sounds I reasonable. think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to keep those six things in the back of your head because they are real things. And yeah. yeah. We could go a full year where nobody cares, and then one day somebody decides to care, 
and other people follow their lead and it becomes a story. So I, that's all I wanted to point out. You're up. Next. I just want to, I want to say one thing on this. And I think Ed would agree. Big fan of his work. One of these things could certainly happen or, or a combination of them. But I'm always worried about things that we don't think about. Like that is what real risk is. Like dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Real risk is not something that you're going to put a list in, right? I mean, this is all well. COVID, yeah, COVID, 9-11. I do yeah, know. Th- this is all well-known stuff. I, but, I, I, but, but, I have always agreed with you on that. But uh, I would say- If, if I, we're adding stuff to lists, don't worry. Pretty much don't worry about it. But if I, I had to I, pick if, if I had to pick one risk that would transpire, I'd probably say, yeah, inflation reaccelerates and the Fed keeps raising. Yeah, at some point, if that happened, then we'd be in By trouble. the way, so he's double counting that. That's both wage price uh, uh, spiral and- uh, Fed goes vulgar. Like those are both the same thing, but okay. okay. All right, moving on. Um, I'm not exactly sure what this chart shows. I think I know, but let's let's throw it up here. We're looking at service. We're looking at Bank of America card data and we're looking at services, including restaurants and retail, excluding restaurants. So the thing that I'm not exactly sure is it shows percent month over month, but then it also says three month moving average. So is it a month-over-month month change of the three-month moving average? That sounds weird. Month-over-month, three-month moving average, seasonally adjusted. Well, what was the commentary that came along with this? I didn't have it. But either way, either way, let's just take it at face value. And the thing the thing that I'm interested in is, re- so it was negative. Retail excluding restaurants was pretty much negative for a whole year in 2022. I mean, this is in line with the the experiences not not items, like goods uh services not goods. Like this is And so anyway, is, anyway, the thing that I'm focused on is all the way to the right. It's accelerating or reaccelerating. Uh people are spending their butts off. It's kind of wild. Yeah, but they're right, but they're spending it like they're spending it like enjoying themselves. Taylor Swift. I, I think it's great. Yeah, Taylor Swift, it's a billion and a half dollar enterprise. She's doing six shows in LA alone. Like it's it's a it's a phenomenon. By the way, I never thought for the rest of our lives we would ever have a pop star this big. I thought after Michael Jackson and Madonna were not Britney followed Spears. up for 25, 30 years. I thought that was it. Like this is the big Britney Spears is not even close. This is the biggest star on the planet in her prime. And, and getting bigger. She's been doing it since like getting, what, 2009. Getting bigger and she's a fucking, she's a fucking genius. Just everything she touches turns to gold. Um, she's just converting the entire world into her fan base. It's unbelievable to watch. Her first album so. is from 2006. So that's the thing, longevity. It's like 17 years. Dude, she's been around so long. That thing where Kanye West interrupted her speech, do you know what year that was? I'm going to tell you, but just try to guess. When do you think that happened? 14? He, how about 2010? It's 13 years God, ago. we're old. That's how you. long she's been around. Oh my gosh. Wow. And not just around, but like big. Famous. She's been Mega. big yeah, yeah. for more than a decade and she looks like she's 20 years old. Yeah. I mean, she's a, she is a, wow. All right. Uh, nobody switches banks. And no. I kind of shoehorned this into your topic about people Nobody switches spending. banks. That's accurate. All right. So we have this survey and I know you're not a big survey guy. But I just thought it was an interesting way to think about this. Dude, if it supports uh, your prior beliefs, then I'm a survey guy. Uh, no, it's surpri- actually, it surprises me. Uh, Bank Santander says that 79% of middle earners, people making between 47000 and 142000 have not changed their financial behavior um, despite the recent banking failures. Wait, Only so that, so five- that, One more time. 79% of middle income people didn't change their bank or their financial behavior at all. 
after Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, but 20% did? That sounds Hold really on. high. 5% switched banks. That's it. So wait, wait, where's what, the other wait, where's the other 15%? I'm gonna I'm gonna get there in a second. Here's what's interesting. The three biggest banks in America, JP Morgan, I talked about this on TV, JP Morgan, um, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America pulled in $50 billion in in uh uh in higher interest payment uh from from higher interest payments last quarter. Like none of them have raised the yield that they're paying, but they pulled in $50 billion in more uh net interest income regardless. Dude, they Look don't at, have to. If you haven't left, you're not leaving. Look at this. JP Morgan. Do you agree? If you haven't yeah. left yet, you're not leaving. Year over year, 44% increase. Now they bought First Republic, but they also benefited from the chaos before they bought it. And they didn't have to raise their savings rate. So that's that's three, that's three gigantic banks that are making more money than ever because uh they can. And they didn't have to change their uh anyway, but but Santander is going through. We have a couple of slides I just want to get to. Um, this is 2,200 households. So only 5% of middle-income Americans actually change their bank, which I think is a surprise to me. Wait, and Josh, guess what? How many of the, how many in that 5% were forced to because their bank literally closed? Yeah, right. So, so almost nobody did anything, but 32% have moved their funds to high-yield accounts. So interest rates going to 4 5 6% did prompt people to call their existing institution and make a change in how they were holding their cash. Next slide, please. This is Americans talking about uh, their biggest financial challenges. Inf uh, go back. Inflation is still 57%. Um, meaning, meaning, meaning what? 57% put that as say, number one. Say it's their number one. Right. Only 3% give a shit about recent bank failures. Yeah, nobody so, cares. So, I, okay, but like that's kind of surprising to me. I guess because nobody lost well, any well, money. Dude, they would have cared if the Fed didn't do what they did. True. Next slide. This is uh, Americans leaving money on the table by not taking advantage of higher yields on savings. Look at this. Since early 2022, 68% of middle-income Americans have not moved deposits into higher-yielding accounts to take advantage. So rates have gone from 0 to 6%, and 68% of people in the last 18 months couldn't be bothered. That's incredible to me. Are you surprised by that? I'm not. How? Sway? <laughs> how are you not surprised? Because I know how powerful What are these people is. doing? I know. I, I know it is. So Robinhood reported- So dude, people just hold way too much cash in general in their checking account, in their brokerage account. The only people, the only place, the only accounts where people behave the way that they should is in their retirement accounts for the most part. Robinhood reported like $240 million of net interest income, which is madness. Robinhood, it's 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 a trading platform or an investing platform, whatever it is. Mm. How much cash do you think is responsible for generating that much amount of income from them? I mean, you, we could do the math and back into it. It's a lot. Yeah, people it's hold- It's billions, right? People hold, yes. People hold way too much cash all yeah. across the board. I don't know what level it gets another. So if you left for 5%, if you haven't left for five percent, you're not leaving for five percent. I don't know where the next where the next milestone is where you get another wave where people have to wake up. I don't think it's happening. 
Is that six well, percent? I don't know. Well, seven. The, the, the five or six banks that are able to pay zero and can live in it's a world where people are leaving that six percent on the table, Printed. they're going to make Printed. a lot of money. Actually, you know what's uh, funny? Hold on, Josh. You know what's funny? People say banks can't make money when the when the curve is flat or inverted. Bullshit. Yeah. Look. <laughs> the, uh, last slide. This is interesting. Most important factors when considering a banking provider: being stable and secure. Ninety-eight percent said. Uh, 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 98% of people use that as one of their main reasons. The second most popular reason was 24-7 access via online or digital applications. You know what people don't care about? Only 77% said they care about having a branch within 10 minutes of my home or work. And this is a great segue into what Moody's did today with the regional banks. It turns out- It sounds like they're looking for attention. What are they doing? I don't know. Yeah, they're they're all feeling frisky this week. Um, It turns out people really less and less care if the bank has a branch. Everything is now on the app. Everything's digital. It's only going in one direction further still. These regional banks used to have like their own sandbox where they had all the castles in the neighborhood. And it just matters less and less and less. And that's why I agree with what Moody's did today. I don't think there's any future for most of the banks in the regional category. I think like BB&T will be f- fine. It's big. M&T, well, what you just like, said in the future is the key part of what you just said, because this is a, this is a big demographics thing. All it's going to be, I, I call all the these, go to the bank. I agree. I call these banks coal mines. They're not going to implode tomorrow. It's going to be 20 years of shrinking. Yeah. It's, it it's is like, not going like, to be pleasant. It's like uh, it's like linear TV. It's just people that are just cutting the cord. A lot of these ne- a lot of these neo banks that are like just an app now, like a venture backed. Some of these, the ones that make it, are going to end up acquiring these regional Dude, banks many, in ten many, years. How many branches do you think SoFi has? I don't know. Is it zero? Maybe. I don't think, they, I don't think you could go into a SoFi bank. Yeah, I think they're only branches like in your heart. All right, uh, Moody's knocked the market, the whole market down today with this shit, though. They, they but we cut. came back, we took it back. I know, but I'm just saying, like this is this is. The, I agree with what they're saying. Uh, they cut multiple banks ratings and put others on watch. Pop up this KRE, dude. That's exactly the point. Everybody agrees with what they're saying. This is not so news to the really, market. It's a blip. It's a blip on this chart. Josh, they, nothing, nothing in their downgrades was news to the market, which is why it knocked these banks down and then they closed at the highs. This is not news. What they're saying. I agree that it's. They not got FOMO. News. They got FOMO from Fitch. They're like, oh shit, you downgraded the U.S. government. We got to do something. Um. The Federal Reserve's campaign to list interest rates to combat inflation continues to have a material impact on the U.S. banking system's funding and its economic capital. Higher rates have reduced the value of bonds and other assets owned by regional banks, leaving the lenders with, quote, sizable, unrealized losses. Dude, we did that already. We already did that. I don't think it's over, my man. I'm sorry. You sound, you, you seem to, you sound like you I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying it's over, but no, no, I don't know. I don't know, but this is not news to the market. The market is well aware of the risks. All right. They threw That's this. All I'm they saying. threw the, They threw this little nugget in. The ratings firm also pointed to the prospect of a recession in early 2024, eroding demands for loans and leading to loan defaults. It said banks could be hit by problems in commercial real estate, including higher rates, vacant offices, reduced availability of credits. Holy uh, shit! Credit. That's that's insight. I'm just. I'm not dismissing what they're saying, but yeah, we know. We know. Right. The market I, knows. So are you in KRE currently? No. Any plans to get back in? I did buy back Schwab. 
Not yeah, not in, it's not in the index. It's it's a it's its own category. All right, and listen, and and I bought I bought XLF for the first time in I don't know maybe ever. Not fading Warren. Berkshire is breaking out to, to all time highs. I'm in. Yeah, no, I'd I'd fade Moody's. I wouldn't fade Warren. We're gonna talk about Buffett now. Actually, uh, okay. let's let's do this. Give me a chart of Berkshire versus Icon Enterprises, and let's take it back 20, 25 years. Okay, this is really interesting to me. Tortoise so in the, the hair. The purple is Berkshire, and for the last 20-some-odd years, Icon's publicly traded, I don't even know what you call it, partnership. It's kind of like a, a REIT or a closed-end or something. Yeah, you um, know why you're a jerk? This, this should be the mystery chart. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. This should be the mystery chart. This is a great no, chart. You're going to love my mystery chart. It's going to completely this, fucking baffle you. This All is a right. phenomenal chart. Berkshire is now up 908% over this 25-year period. Icon is up only 732% and falling precipitously so that Berkshire could catch up. This is not market cap. I want to I make it very clear. Berkshire is gigantic. No, dude, Berkshire's ahead. Berkshire's ahead. Berkshire's this ahead. This is just performance. Um, Warren Buffett is 92 years old, Michael, and Carl Icahn is 87. And let's talk about Icon first. So they're both in the news this week. Um, IEP, which is this publicly traded thing that owns Icon's hedge funds and, and all of his personal wealth. Um, it's been in the news because short sellers have attacked the payments that it's been making. They don't believe that these payments are real. Um, they're Ponzi-like, according to uh, the short sellers. They just capitulated on Friday, cut their dividend for the first time since 2011. And half. I, yeah, I read the CEO and CFO's comments Not from the conference call transcript, and they sound like babbling idiots. Horrible. Horrible. Almost yeah. like they were surprised that they were taking questions. Um, Icon is losing money in a raging bull market. He's got these stupid macro hedges on since, I don't know, 2013. He's He's been betting widely against the market, and his longs are in like um, bad energy companies and – bankrupted auto uh, parts maker. It's just the whole thing is a shit show. And uh, this is what Carl said. And I'm, I'm rooting for Carl to come back, by the way, guys. I don't want anyone to think that that I'm rooting against anybody. Quote, our returns have been overwhelmed by our overly bearish view of the market. Anyone remember Danger Ahead? 2015. Um, I remember it well. Going forward, we intend to stick to our knitting and focus on the activist strategy. Icon fell 37%. Uh, on Friday, it came back by the end down 23%. But basically, instead of paying out $2 a unit in, in, in distributions, they cut it to a dollar. And that was shocking. Um, and this is a, keep in mind, this thing has already been cut in half um, by the time they were doing that. So, so, so I was just going to say, like, he should, he, he with the benefit of heights and all due respect, he should have stuck to his knitting, which is being an activist. Think about what he did with Netflix. I guess his son was big into that in like 20. 13 or whatever, just made made a killing. They pushed Apple to pay dividends and buy back stock along with Einhorn in 20, again, 13 or 14, whatever it was. They did amazing with that stuff. But all of his macro nonsense has not has been nonsense. Uh, and he knows it. The, the, se- the company's second quarter loss doubled from a year earlier. This is with the stock market flying. Uh, Icon pledged a, a reset with the firm reducing its short bets I don't know. He, right. He was never a macro investor. And I think like in the last 10 years, he turned look, into one. This is something really important. And this is not ageist. 
when you get older, you get more bearish. Of course. Not everyone. Jim O'Shaughnessy, not included. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, not included. Most people, most most people. Most people, when you're fucking 87, you're not excited about the future. Like, let's just be, let's all be very honest. For the most part, what you see is kids with pierced things and nobody respects anything and all the traditions that you grew up with are gone. Mm -hmm. And now with these tech stocks, they have $3 trillion market caps. Like it's, it's just like, there's no way that a typical person in their eighties would look around and be excited about what's going on. And I totally get that. I will be the world's most curmudgeonly old person. That's I'm already well on my way. So this is no disrespect, but sometimes maybe just fucking hang it up. I don't know how else to put it. Like sometimes maybe just be like, you know what? I don't understand this world. I'm going to go enjoy myself. Um, and that's not really what happened well, here. One of the big takeaways for me on that chart is it's the tortoise versus the hare, right? Icon had, had just explosive returns, explosive, yeah. wonderful, magnificent returns, gave it back, pulled ahead, gave it back. And here we are. Uh, let's contrast icon with Berkshire Hathaway Berkshire over the weekend, very quietly and with no fanfare whatsoever, just reported a $36 billion earnings, not revenue, $36 billion in quarterly earnings over the weekend. Uh, the stock hit a new 52 week high yesterday. I think it might've also today. Um, this is the opposite approach of paying a high dividend and going activist and writing nasty letters and swashbuckling. This is slow and steady. Uh, you know, stay out of the media, mind your own business, do one or two things a year where you talk to the press. And, you know, it's it's uh it's obviously a different approach and uh seems like it's going well. I wanted to highlight wait, can I ask you a question before you just move on? If you had to pick one stock that would be most emblematic or most reflective on how the US economy is doing. Would you say Berkshire is right near the top of that list? If yeah. not number one? Yeah, by design. Stocks at, it's stocks supposed at an all, to be. I mean, that is USA, and the stock's at an all-time high. 100%. And it's suppo- and that's exactly how it was scripted. It, it's, a, it's supposed to be that way. Um, he's got foreign investments. He bought uh, these trading houses in Japan. He had exposure to the Chinese battery stock that he. That I think they just got rid of. Um, but by and large, this is a proxy for the growth areas of the U.S. economy. Um, let's put this Apple chart up. Uh, did you know that Icon made a lot of money in Apple? Bought it in August 2013 at $16 split adjusted, and he wrote it to 24 bucks a share. I mean, that's a great trade. Can't hate. <laughs> Icon, you can't. Buffett, he's a, dude, hold he's on. Not a long, he's not a buy and hold investor. He won. Did you know that Warren Buffett bought the stock just as Icon was selling it? And I think, uh, all right. Is Sean put this together for us? Yeah, I could say no offense, Sean, but this this chart is trash. Look at look at look at the dates. Look at the dates. What do you mean? Look at the dates. Look at the what's dates. Wrong, what's wrong with the dates? There's like four 2021s. You got to switch they're up the quarters, months, my man. You, they're quarters, dumbass. Dude, stay you're with a the, dumbass. They're quarters. Stay stay with stay with the stay with the story. Chart off. Icon. No, I will up. not. That's a horrible chart. They're, they're not quarterly. quarterly. You, you change to it to quarter- a date. Dumbass, no. you're a dumbass. You have to do it quarterly because they file quarterly. We wanted Sir, to Sir, capture- I'm talking about the labels. 2022, that's January. And then Dude, April. Is, and then Sean is on Long Island right now. He's twice the size of you. I, I would go easy. <laughs> I would go easy if I were you. 
Carl Icahn would be up 1,250% since April of 2013 had he held his original position. Erroneous! Hold on. He had $2 billion cost basis. It would be worth $28 billion. Yeah, it would be. He's not a buy and hold investor. I'm just saying. You're not just saying. It's erroneous. It's totally erroneous. All right. Buffett is up 730% since his purchase in Q1 2016. He has about $176 billion worth of Apple, more than five times his cost of $31 billion since 2016. And he now, why did Icon sell? Perfectly reasonable. He said China's attitude toward Apple, remember, this is early Trump campaign, early 2016, uh, drove him to exit his position. Quote, you worry a little bit and maybe more than a little about China's attitude. Icon later added, China's government could come in, quote, come in and make it very difficult for Apple to sell there. You can do pretty much what you want there. He added, though, that if China was basically steadied, he would buy back into Apple. China's never been steadied. He never bought back into Apple. I think China is now their third largest uh, or third or fourth largest market, and the rest is history. You know what um, else? You know what else Buffett bought from, from Icon recently? Oxy. Sure. Oh, really? Remember, remember, oh, I yeah, got yeah, out of, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think he did well in Oxy. He was an activist there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so he forced them into a lot of repurchases and stuff. And then Buffett bought in and, and reaped the benefit. Unreal. Um, All right. Although I wonder if that's like, that's like Buffett's playbook. Like, I kind of really clean shit up. Let's get, let's get this, in. What's, this, uh, what's uh, this tweet? Not to laugh, but come on, this is a great tweet. Throw it up. Mm. I can't see clearly now the gains have gone. Hmm. It's a little, yeah, it's a good point. Come on, it's, it's a bad. clever tweet. It's a clever tweet. Not, All right, let's talk about earnings bad. and the reactions. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the reactions. Anyway, this I just wanted to- Oh, you got more? We'll, no, we'll get, we'll get into the earnings now. I just wanted to say, like, I have looked up to Icon my entire career, and uh, I've seen him do amazing things. And but But I think that, like, my own style and my own mentality is way more akin to Buffett's. And- uh, you know, this was like, con- I guess, more confirmation bias for me. I also don't see myself as a corporate raider. Yeah, I agree with you. No, I mean, I, but just like being, uh, pulling the trigger fast and, and uh, you know, fighting with people over investing or any of that stuff, I, it's not for me. So before so. we get into the reaction of the earnings, let's talk about earnings. So we've been talking a lot about how earnings are down 7% year over year. However, however, mm. like all of it is from energy. Mm. Energy earnings are down 51% year over year. Throw up yeah. this chart, please. So if you back we out- ener- to this. Didn't we say this like the whole first quarter? You did. <laughs> yeah. If you bet- Wait, talking about backing out the energy thing? No, we said like before you get carried away with this like earnings uh, recession, understand 100% of it is coming from the energy sector. Yeah, I think you were on that. So anyway, yeah, if you take energy out, earnings are up 1.4%. Is that- is that good? Yeah, it's pretty damn good considering what's going on. You know, considering all of the challenges that 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 has been thrown at us, I think it's pretty damn good. So this is saying that year over year earnings are down five point four percent, sales are up 0.6. but um, if you take out energy, earnings year over year are actually up one point four percent, and revenue is up four point three. And look at it, look at look at look at some of these names. So. Uh, industrials earnings up 25% quarter over quarter. Consumer discretionary up 37% quarter over quarter. Yeah. Communications 64. I mean, unbelievable numbers here. It's it's real. It's truly remarkable. And uh, and so I that fueled the rally. That fueled the rally. But 
as they buy the rumor, they sell the news. Okay. From Bespoke, 316 stocks have reported earnings this week. 73% this beat. This week. That was, like that was a week ago. Last week. 73% beat earnings per share. 64% beat sales. More raised guidance than lowered. But the average one-day change on earnings has been a big drop of 1.6%. Even stocks that have beaten estimates on the earnings side have dropped 0.11%. JP Morgan's got a chart of this. Really lays it out very nicely. Companies that are beating- Show it. Companies that are beating estimates- are being rewarded less than typical, while those that are missing estimates are being penalized more than average. And you see, again, the, you see it in the chart here. The light blue is, is companies that miss. The top is companies that beat. And, and beat, beat companies that beat are not being rewarded. Why? Chart off. Because they already were rewarded. Look at the run in stocks. They already yeah. anticipated this. Agree. So I want to say that sell the news is officially the theme of Q2 2023 earnings season. Um, and this is a part. really great reminder. Here's the takeaway. Uh, and I actually, I think I have data that's fresher than yours actually, but this is why <laughs> investors cannot quote, wait for the smoke to clear yes. before buying. Stocks bottomed well in advance of these trough earnings and they almost always do. Maybe I could say they always do. Say it louder. They always do. They so this whole idea of, do. why would you buy if earnings are coming down? Because... Everyone knows you're not the only person having this insight, nor am I. That's that's why would you buy? Um, the other takeaway is that investors are not impressed with cost cutting anymore. That was last quarter's story. It's they not enough. Right. You're right, hundred percent. They already now got they it. want sales growth, and and there is some data su to suggest that the companies with with bigger sales growth were able to avoid that post earnings sell off. Um, and let so. Uh, John Butters did this for um, FactSet. Company S&P 500 companies see the largest negative price reaction to positive earnings surprises since 2011. That's wow. a big deal. That is a big this deal. Is, this is Butters. Um, to date, 84% of the S&P have reported. This is as of August 7th, so I, my shit is a little bit newer than yours. Not to brag. There you go. Uh, of these companies, 79% have reported actual earnings above the estimate which is above the five-year average of 77%. Um, in aggregate, earnings have exceeded estimates by 7.2%, um, which is above the 10-year average of 6.4, yes. Given this strong performance relative to 10-year average, how has the market responded? Companies that have reported positive earnings have seen an average decrease of 0.5% two days before the earnings through two days after. That captures the whole thing. Healthy, look at Uber. Look at yeah. Uber. These stocks going to go up forever and ever and ever? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Why is the market punishing positive earnings? It is not likely due to the earnings outlooks from companies and analysts for the third quarter, which have not been more negative than normal. So if you're walking around saying, well, they're all guiding lower. No, they aren't. They're not. Not any more than usual. That's not the reason. It's sell the news. These stocks have gone up big. Chart on. This is S&P earnings per share surprise versus average price change. Just so you can see what I've been illustrating with my lyrics. Next chart. And this is just another way of looking at that drop, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. average price drop. Last yeah. one, last one. S&P 500 earnings surprise percentage. And you can see that that's well within the- Wait, the, hang the on, what do we look? All right, so we're looking at the number of companies got that- 
and then the average price change. Oh, interesting. This is a great chart. Wow. It's a really good chart, right? Yeah. Thank you. I uh, yeah. I cut and pasted myself. Uh, chart off. <laughs> Last thing. Did you know, however, that there are some instances where companies are having a really positive reaction to earnings? Amazon. And Amazon Caterpillar was one last week. Let me show you one more. Yeah. E Eli Lilly. Yeah. Today, this became the largest company in the pharmaceutical index. I think it had a 15% Pfizer? day. Bigger than Pfizer? Bigger than Pfizer. Wow. Uh, quote, Eli Lilly became the most valuable healthcare company in the United States after Holy a stock price shit. surge Tuesday morning propelled the Indianapolis drug maker's market value above 500 billion. Mike, this is a 147 yeah. year old company. Shares jumped by 15% on second quarter earnings, um, driven by fast sales of its diabetes medicine, Munjaro. This is part of the obesity bubble that we're, uh, no pun intended, that we're in the midst of. And they are, uh, it has a potential for obesity treatment, a use for which it's expected to earn FDA approval later this year. So look at this. This is an earnings story that has a ha happy ending. Pretty dope. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thoughts? I like it. Hey, Any I thoughts? thoughts? You said it all. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to make the case. Is it my turn? Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I'm not making the I'm just laying it out there. And I did this on Animal Spirit, so forgive me for the duplicative uh, entertainment topics. Mm. What are the implications? Like, what if, what if, what if, and there's not a call, we're thinking out loud. What if Apple peaked? Like, Apple is a big, big part of the S&P 500. What if right? Apple peaked in price? Yeah. I don't think it matters. I think the market cap leaves Apple and goes into something else. I, Love I it. Just, yeah. Love it. I, All I right, mean, so you, are you in the camp that says, like, Apple has to go up for the market to go up? Because no, I don't no. believe in that. Definitely not. No, yeah, just, it'll just, just shrink in it. It'll if it did peak, which I'm not saying, it'll just shrink in importance each day until other this? things matter more. If Apple goes from seven, is it seven percent? If Apple goes from seven percent to five percent, I don't think that's bearish. So listen, there was a moment where General Electric was the largest stock in the S and P. Yeah, <laughs> it went. I agree. It it went. It became a penny stock, and and the and the band marched on. But what's so interesting is played on unequivocally. Apple is the most popular stock in the world, just for yeah. individual investors, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, but, mm. but, but the company is like not really growing. So there's a great chart from, uh, I, 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 what's it? I'm sorry. I don't want to butcher his last name. Um, the guy that runs the transcript, it's great stuff in here. Okay. So the Apple has seen top line sales have shrunk, shrank year over year for three consecutive quarters. So the iPhone, which is their crown jewel, it's like almost half of their revenue. Year over year, last three quarters, down two, up two, down eight. Okay. The Mac, not small either. Down seven, down 31, down 29. The iPad, down 20, down 13. Wearables, up two, down one, down eight. Services, which is their big engine of growth, eight, five, six, five. So for a total of, this is year-over-year year sales, negative one, negative three, Quar negative quarters, five. Quarters, not years. This is important. I'm sorry. Quarterly revenue, year-over-year. Yeah. Year. yeah. Okay. Uh, let me just run through some more stuff, and then I'll get your thoughts. So you've got the company slowing. Then now, I should point out, this is not the first time. It did this in 2019, it did this in 2016, and then it created these you know, $10 billion categories. So it's this is not without precedent. However, it's doing this with its valuation 
pretty rich relative to its historical history. Uh, chart on, please. So I've got enterprise value to EBITDA. You've got the price to earnings ratio. You've got the price to sales ratio. And they're, they're all directionally, you know, they're all, it's all the same chart for the most part. Um, so we've been talking a lot about, well, should these companies that are growing trade at a premium? Yeah, this is not growing. Should the best company in the world trade at a premium? Yeah. But should it trade at a premium when it's already a $3 trillion market cap? I don't know. I, and I would say, I don't know. That's not rhetorical. I literally, I don't, I don't know. Um, now you can also say, well, fine. Let's assume that they're not going to create a new category, which they very well might with the headset. Who knows? And let's assume that Apple is now a mature company, which it is. I mean, of course it's a mature company. It's just not really growing that much anymore. They're still buying back a shit ton of stock. Chart on, please. So their shares outstanding. You could say uh, it's down 38% over the last decade. So you could say, listen, Apple could still do, you know, deliver decent shareholder returns just by the fact that they're so capital efficient and they're doing so much to deliver uh, money back to shareholders. Last chart, and then I'm done. But but the shareholder yield is also telling a similar story of the other valuation charts. It's pretty low, and this is this would mean that it's it's rich. The company is trading rich. So that's it. If I was, to, I'm not saying if you have an if you pulled Apple that you could dump it. This argument's been made a million times before, but the company literally is not growing right now. Michael, 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 you innocent son of a bitch. <laughs> Put on your knickers. What? I'm taking you to school. First things first. Literally, that sh- literally that shareholder wiping yield, your face. You're so disgusted with the case that I made. That share, Their shareholder yield is just the inverse of the stock price, which has magnificently gone up 40 no, some not. odd percent. No, it's not. Basically, the the stock price. Yeah, because it's the percent, it's the percentage of yield, but obviously the yield goes down when the price goes up. It's like a All dividend. All right, so what else? All right, what else? Okay, please, please. So there's that. You're conflating. You're saying can it grow? Revenue growth is down. You're right about that. Um, multiple quarters, but earnings growth is going up, and I will explain to you why. Because. Um, Smaller share count, so earnings per share benefits from that. That's All right, because I didn't just say number that. Number two, yeah, keep gross going. margins forty four percent. They're actually going up this year, and um, eighty billion dollar run rate for services, which is a seventy percent gross margin business. So Apple can have a year with no low or no or negative revenue growth, still grow earnings, still shrink its float, and have a rock and roll share price, and that can happen for years and years and years. It would be harder. So that's the best if they point that you made. can't find new growth, but the that services can go be, on. The services being the highest margin, unless what if the government says, "All right, enough of this nonsense. You're not taking a thirty percent well, break." Yeah, that's the risk. So if that happens, what that will be that will be the the biggest decline in market cap that Apple has ever seen. If the, if that happens, which I'm not saying it will, but if it does, it will. Um, yeah, I agree. Apple's really important, not just to the United States, but in the countries it operates in. It is not the kind of company that some some political figure would just like be like get them out of here they they uh they just broke a record for their sales in india which is a brand new market for them they're selling lower priced phones because the per capita income is lower but that could be a growth and that's the most populous nation on earth it's bigger than china do you understand it's like five united states if that becomes like a new focus for Sounds apple like you understand what do you my dad no i'm just saying I'm speaking colloquially, I don't, not to you personally, oh, um, yeah. but just like just when you think Apple has no more growth levers, they find them. So I, to- I, 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 I totally, totally, totally agree with that part. And then but, the last thing I'll say is, okay, the last thing I'll say is, what politician wants to go to war with Apple? 
Who's going to be the hero? That, yeah, yeah, that's it's right. Not I agree. It's not popular. L- last thing, this guy, Saad Malik, is in the chat saying, wait, JB, didn't you say Apple would move the market on CNBC before their earnings call? Yes, didn't it? I don't understand. How are these two? Th- like, he's saying, like, I can't think that Apple Oh, it definitely can- did. It definitely yeah, did. Yeah, of course it did. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't I'm, mean that it'll keep the market from making a new high forever. <laughs> There's a big difference between what what the what the market did on the day that Apple's down five percent and right. versus what it will do over time. Exactly. Exactly. You I know I ca- you know I only I only call you my son because you shine like one. You know. By this, the way, right? I want Apple to go up forever and ever. All right. Give me don't give me nonsense right now. Don't mystery chart. don't do it. Do John, not do it. John, mystery chart, please. Guess how many jelly beans are in this jar, please? Like literally? That's your mystery. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I thought you were joking. You are. All right, all right, all right, all right. Mystery. <laughs> 107? Mystery chart, mystery chart for me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. All right, all right. Dude, the look on your face. I think I'm going to get this one. I think I'm going to get this one. You are definitely not getting this one. Um, okay. I'm all right, everybody. Thanks really, for watching. I'm going to do everything I can to make you get it though, okay? Okay, but I won't. Okay. Okay. This is there's the a, hottest. This is a micro cap? Nope. Nope. This, okay. is, this is a company that reported earnings after the close today. This was the hottest stock of 2023. And if you don't know it, was you, you the have hottest, to was the pretty much stock? the whole year up until, up until today, it has been the hottest trade of the, it's been the hottest stock of the whole year. Actually- it is the eighth best performer in the Russell 3000 year to date. I'm going to give you the sector. Next okay. chart, please. Okay. Semiconductor. This is this stock versus its, its semiconductor uh, holders ETF, the sector uh, ETF. This thing is just thermonuclear. It's, it's, uh, it doubled last year in a bear market. It tripled, I think, since May. So if you don't, it, I mean, reported earnings, semiconductor, what is it? You have a guess? Am I going to be embarrassed if I don't know this? I mean, I feel like you need to maybe change what you're looking at. If I, I really didn't deliberately make this hard for you. I swear to God. Okay. No, no, no. This is not legit. NVIDIA, obviously. No, 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 no. You know what? I'll take the, I'll take the L. I don't know. Okay. Chart, uh, reveal. This is super uh, micro. Okay. Come on. You okay. got to. All right. This, honestly, dude, this stock only got on my radar two days ago. All right. Fair enough. This is, um, it's an $18 billion market cap. Once it again. is. Yeah. It tripled this summer. It doubled last year. It's up a thousand percent over the, over the past three years. It is an AI play for people who missed NVIDIA. And I wish I could say it had a ridiculous valuation, but it doesn't. I think it's like 30 times earnings or something right now, even after being up a thousand percent. They are very, very involved with every time the data centers buy AI equipment, they need they need this company's stuff as part of how it all works together. Um, is it too late to buy? I mean just gotta I mean, I, I feel like it is. It, so they reported tonight and as of this recording, the stock's down 40 points. It's down 11%. So maybe you're getting an opportunity here. This is just, I mean, I can't, I can't rationalize buying it, but holy cow, this thing is a hot story. Unbelievable. Um, and, so th- and it's only down 10% after hours. That's it. Worth listening to the call tonight on, uh, on, the, on the quarter app. That's, I guess that's all I would say. 
Uh, all right. Hope you guys had fun. It's uh, it's been it's been an hour. It's been quite a night. We love you. We miss you when we're not here. Thanks for tuning in. Tomorrow is Wednesday. All new Animal Spirits with Michael and Ben, my favorite podcast. And then later this week, we're back with an all new The Compounded Friends. Great job tonight, Michael, Duncan, Nicole, Sean, uh, John. Great job with all the charts. Good night, everyone. Whether you're just getting started as an investor or you're managing a multi-million dollar portfolio, Ritholtz Wealth Management has the solution for you. It all starts with building the right financial plan. To speak with a certified financial planner today, visit RitholtzWealth.com. Don't forget to check us out at YouTube.com slash The Compound RWM. Make sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. If you love investing podcasts, Check out Michael and Ben every Wednesday morning on Animal Spirits. Thanks for listening. Ritholtz Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Ritholtz Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as and may not be used in connection with an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or hold an interest in any security or an investment product. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk and possible launch of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Ritholtz Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.